0: Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name's Tom Rablick. Over the past couple of months, you've been hearing a lot about the coronavirus and the various benefit packages the federal government has put into place. Now, one of them is JobKeeper. Now, JobKeeper is designed, supposedly, to ensure that employers are able to keep the employees on during the period of time when their businesses are effectively dormant. They're not doing much. Transactions aren't coming through, uh, and the employees, in all other circumstances, may not necessarily have work if they were to be shunted off and uh, forced to accept job seeker, which is the other benefit that's been upgraded to some extent during the coronavirus pandemic. One of the issues that's obviously emerged over a period of time is how people can apply. For this particular payment and what the practical consequences are. You can only find out what the real consequences of all of this are by talking to people who are at the front line dealing with the tax uh, issues and also the application issues. Tax agents, for example. Tax expert and tax trainer Lisa Gregg joins me today to talk about the various things that she's experienced over the past little while in dealing with clients who have had issues with the JobKeeper payment and what the practical challenges are. Lisa, thank you for joining me. Thanks very much, Tom. Looking forward to it. Let's step back a bit. JobKeeper was announced Mm -hmm. by the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, and the Prime Minister, um, Scott Morrison. What was the experience you had on the day it was announced? I had
1: concern Tom to be all to be totally honest with you um, tax law in this country it takes a long time to go through as you've probably experienced and seen as well um, we haven't had very much tax reform in this country for quite a while and we're renowned for doing tax laws via press release and this was just another example of an announcement of a which should be a fantastic initiative and um, but there wasn't any detail. So we knew we were all back in the land of tax law by press release going, okay, there's going to be a lot of questions of which we haven't got answers to yet. So I was quite concerned about how my clients and myself was going to deliver, to deliver uh, this fantastic initiative.
0: On the day of the announcement, Treasurer Josh Feinberg came out and did what he did uh, as did the Prime Minister they both flagged this was a effectively a job saving initiative did you start getting phone calls that day from clients absolutely Tom and this
1: was the dilemma that you know announcements like this put us in we really want to help our clients we want to tell them exactly what's going on um but you know the 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 details were very skint. And so therefore, we had that next situation of people making things up or trying to surmise what's going to be there as well. So there's a lot of, um, (laughs) you know, fake news going around as well, because all of us accountants and and tax agents, we've got pretty strong social media um, networks and things like that. So we're all trying to second guess what Anyone knew that happened to be maybe inside the aTO tent or inside the treasury tent to try and get a little bit more information, so we can start scoping and and preempting discussions with our clients because you know what we don 't want to do is you know over promise and under deliver so I was being very very cautious with my uh, conversations with my clients at that stage saying just wait just be patient just be patient and these are businesses that have basically already closed down they go Lisa how's this going to work so it was quite a challenge at this time.
0: Okay well you t- you mentioned the issue of practice networks and, and obviously um, we've worked together in a previous role. Yes and uh, I've worked at at the Institute of Public Accountants previously, and we both know how this works. How did this manifest itself in social media? Because before social media, people were basically ringing people up, having coffees and and attending discussion groups. What difference has social media made to the ability of you as a practitioner to be able to engage with others at this time? Look,
1: it can be very efficient because we don't have to go to places and have plenty of people in a room. We can we can do it from home. So the efficiencies that we're now in with isolation and working from home, not having um, uh, community and things like that, is very beneficial. The trick is with social media is working out who you're going to listen to and how you can actually filter out, out the noise of, of people talking. So I know that there's a number of... Um, contacts that I have out there that I trust and know have got a little bit more information than me because they're talking to the right people. For example, software providers is a really good example because as soon as they said that JobKeeper was going to get managed um, by the clients, we... Automatically went, oh, they're going to use single touch payroll, STP, something that we was, um, you know, the catchphrase basically um, a year ago. So we knew that it was going to get used pretty much through the software vendors and things like that to implement. So the software vendors actually had, had advanced warning of how it was all going to work. So I definitely listened to things of how it was going to get implemented from the various social media of the software vendors, for example, because they were giving a little bit of clues as much as they could that wasn't embargoed to give us an idea of how this was all going to work. So I was immediately going, mm, it's going to get managed through single touch payroll. Mm, how's it going to work here? Uh, how are they going to um, look at, at various um, downturns in, in, in revenue? How's that testing going to work? Um, you know, with 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 the downturn due to coronavirus, because it's not just it wasn't just clients that have completely shut down. There's there's other clients that are trying to trade through um, these trying times as well. And so we had sort of a few different. Cam- I've got a few different camps of um, uh, of clients that that fit that. There are employers that are still t- trying to trade through in these uncertain times.
0: You've got the. Uh those enhanced, to be like, communications capabilities with social media. But that, that only takes you so far in terms of intelligence. The other thing that is of interest to me is post-announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand from talking to people that there have been several tranches of modifications to what the ATO and, and the government have said in terms of how this applies to people. How has that played out over the past few weeks? It's been
1: playing out with... um It was quite interesting. It's a bit like the Star Wars saga. I think a lot of people are uh, making analogies like that. There was many episodes, many tranches of information. So it basically started off with um, the legislation. And even before the legislation received Royal Assent, there was advertisements on television saying, hey, get JobKeeper. This is really good. And like we still didn't really have any confidence because this legislation pretty much delegated authority to the Treasurer, therefore to the ATO in this mechanism so the ATO never act on legislation until it's received royal assent. So we couldn't get really any more clarity how everything was going to work until the ATO made a decision on that. So then they made the decision and then nearly every Friday since then, what are we talking about? Probably a month, every Friday, I love it. Every Friday, there'd been an, there'll be another slight modification to the rules um, where they've um, just tried to refine things Um, eliminate any double dipping those sort of things and then so every Friday us tax agents and accountants within spending the weekend going through the next announcement announcements and working out okay how are we going to communicate this to our clients so it's been quite a roller coaster ride of just going again and again and again you know maybe maybe Groundhog Day would be a better analogy than a Star Wars saga.
0: I'm still waiting for you to tell me who's Jar Jar Binks, but leave that alone. <laughs>
1: oh, I think I, I think I put out a, a Twitter saying I think we need more Yoda and less Jar Jar Binks at one stage, Tom. So yeah, very, very good analogy.
0: Now, if we, if we step back, so um, you know, every Friday instead of Friday drinks, you've been getting a a Friday drop from the HEO. Mm-hmm. So and that's become. A Friday transition. Um, are you expecting anything this Friday?
1: Well, it's quite interesting because this is where the rubber hits the road now because we think, and I'm using the word very carefully, think we think we've applied for JobKeeper, everything and the money should start rolling. So we had to jump on The website to do the next stage of JobKeeper on Monday. Um, And it was a little bit clunky and there was a lot of uncertainty. So we were trying to work out have we done it right or not? And so through our social media networks, um, we basically decided yes, I think everyone's right we know what we're doing and we're moving forward with this because it's probably quicker to talk to our social media network than jump on the phone and wait for an hour for the ATO to give us a response Um, but I must say the ATO have been quite responsive um, given there must have been a multitude of phone calls coming into them. Um, So what's happening this Friday is hopefully the money's hitting bank accounts of the employers uh, that have applied for JobKeeper because one of the big Stumbling box for this for the for the um, for ke- taking up this job keeper payment has been that the employers have to bankroll it, they've got to find the money and pay the employees to satisfy the um, wage um, condition and then get reimbursed. So this reimbursement is what we're waiting on now. And when I was doing cash flow for many of my clients, um, I said, look, we really should um, do a cash flow for three JobKeeper fortnights, not just two, because we're not really sure when this money's going to hit. And um, to be eligible for the third JobKeeper fortnight, um, you need to basically pay employees by Sunday. So if that money doesn't hit tomorrow, I think there's going to be a bit more tightening of the purse strings of many employers going, I've got to do another pay run, another fortnightly pay run
0: um, that I have to backroll myself. Now, this is talking about a circumstance where um, an employer has applied for JobKeeper. They're waiting for JobKeeper payments. Um, and they're budgeting in advance to make sure they can they can uh, pay the employees they currently have under their under their wing. Uh, have there been any curious examples of where the businesses have not gotten cooperation from employees or from from others uh, that they need cooperation from to, yeah, to get get Access to jobkeeper, yeah, good question, Tom, because there's a big
1: paper trail that everyone needs to fill out, and we need to keep records, so if we ever get audited by the ato we've we've got evidence that we're doing everything by the letter of the law, so um for uh, businesses that are totally closed down, like um, hospitality and things like that, where the employees have been stood down, and they there's no opportunity for them to even sell, you know, a, a la- soy chai latte um, in the street. Uh, There's heaps of cooperation from the employees because they're saying, "I want my $1,500 a fortnight minus tax, of course. So on a normal tax rate, that's about that's $1,308 on standard withholding rates. Uh, Where it's getting a little bit trickier is the uh, businesses that are trying to trade through. So for the various employees, they're not seeing any difference. They're still getting going to work. They're still Doing their job, they're still getting paid their normal amount, but it's the business that's suffering, so the employer that's suffering. So if they've met the thirty percent downturn in turnover test, um, they're eligible um, to claim fifteen hundred per per uh, employee. I'm just finding that it's it's I'm hearing a lot of things where it's getting a bit unfortunate that there's um, some employees that are not returning the forms. So the form can be returned to say no, I'm not participating, and the reason that that would be is that they're claiming job keeper somewhere else because we, as we know, there's a lot of underemployed and there's a lot of gig economy people, and people that are um, working at a number of different employers, so they can only claim it in, with one
0: employer, which is fair enough. Or so that, that's, the, that's the case. Um, and that's the case of a um, a casual professional who works at two or three organisations because that's the way they earn their income and only one organisation is able to be the bunny that gives them JobKeeper.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the way that it's working is where you take your tax-free threshold from is sort of the default for that. Um, however, there's other people that are not returning the form and if the ret- the form is not returned to the employer, they can't claim the $1,500 a fortnight. Now at the moment we're not sure whether from what I'm hearing is some of these employees are doing it deliberately or they're they're just disorganized but um there's some employees I'm hearing that are going well um I'm getting paid my money anyway uh, I don't want to give fifteen hundred a fortnight to my employer for free for that so it's um it's it's that's not the way that the the policy intent was but Um, For an employer to actually do the disclosures correctly and the declarations correctly, they need that bit of paper from every eligible employee um, in their business.
0: So let's use a hypothetical example here just to illustrate it. An employer with 10 employees um, is able to get $1,500 per employee Per for fortnight if all ten employees submit the form and participate. Mm-hmm. If they got if they've got one that doesn't, then they can only get money for nine. Correct. Now, the one that doesn't could be do could be failing to participate or electing to not participate for well, one of three reasons that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're getting it they're getting fifteen hundred dollars from somewhere else um, they're uh, not good at paperwork <laughs> or um, they're just being uh, belligerent correct any one of those any one of those three could lead to an employer not being able to get Fifteen hundred dollars for their full cohort of employees.
1: Yeah, and I find that quite disappointing because I don't think that's the policy intent of how it was how it's been um, executed. Because uh, where I see it, if a business is shut down, for them to start back up and contribute back operating contribute to the economy and things like that it's going to take them a little bit of time to get going again and build trust i think in their um in their clientele as well where a business trying to do the right thing and trying to trade through this and you know having the frustrations of trying to work out whether they can manage cash flow and um you know where they need to cut costs and things like that to to make their business lean in these uncertain times, um, this could be an unfortunate uh, event that could, could cause them to basically shut the door or at, when we come out of... Cr- of COVID, um, you know, they might not be able to keep functioning. Then we're talking about closing the business down permanently. So I'm, I'm, when I was hearing about this, I'm going, well, I'm a bit disappointed because it, w- it would not have been the policy intent of this legislation.
0: Is there anything else that's coming up in the keeper JobKeeper administration that is problematic? You mentioned the ATO has been um useful <laughs> uh when you've been able to get through to them uh, what a what else has been going on in terms of tax administration? In, in that space. Look, yeah, the
1: Worth a- absolutely, Tom. The, the ATO have been fantastic. And I was actually quite surprised because um, even today, the ATO portal went down because everyone's trying to do their JobKeeper registrations. And it does happen um, when there's a, a huge um, load on the pipe. Uh, into our um, ATO portal, or what do they call it now, online services. We're not meant to call it the portal. Um, but the I've, I've found um, my wait times calling up a few times have only been like 10, 15 minutes, which I think has been fantastic. So I have heard that um, the ATO are, are redeploying a lot of people onto these COVID, whether it's JobKeeper or the cash flow boost um, payments. So it's been, been fantastic. Uh, but I think the other thing that I'm finding is... Uh, how we, as a profession of accountants and and tax agents, are actually charging fees uh, for doing this work, and I think that I'm not sure how. If I, I would say that there's no uniformity uh, with it all, and so that's the other thing that I'm finding that some clients uh, are probably getting charged excessive of, of amounts for doing this. And others are doing it pro bono because businesses have got nil turnover. Now, I wouldn't say that was um, a reflection of the profession as such. But, you know, we've been putting in the big hours and doing a lot to learn all the intricacies of JobKeeper that's going to last basically six months. So, what have I said? I've said something like, you know, we've had three weeks to, to to learn JobKeeper and it's going to last for six months and there was three years to learn single touch payroll and it's here forever. So, um, you know, we have been investing a lot of time um, to get this right and so I'm just thinking that depending on you, the structure of your client base, um, you need to make sure that, you know, as a profession where doing the right thing for our clients, because I really think that if we do the right thing um, at this time, we've got them you know, in the long term and they're going to be fantastic businesses for us to um, support going forward.
0: And there's something else we need to talk about here. It's all very well for us to talk about the client, the, the accountant services, but in your role as a, as a tax agent and in the role of anybody involved in the accounting world as an advisor, you can become an accidental company secretary mm-hmm. you can become an, you know, you can become an amateur psychologist you can do you, there's a lot of pressure on a on a tax agent um, at the present time and there's, there may not be a lot of payback for some of that uh, additional stress that comes with this situation who's looking after the tax agent
1: very good question Tom very good question I I'd, I'd probably say Dan Murphy's maybe um because I think most of most of my colleagues do like a drink but um yeah are absolutely correct uh, I find our role as accountants like taxation at the moment being um you know in in the general sense you know in the in the uncovered world if I can call it that as a project manager where now I'm finding at this time, we're looking more as, um, you know, a a psychologist, there is a lot of people that are calling us up, um, feeling unsure of how they're going on. So it's putting a lot of pressure on our shoulders. And I know that my network, we talk to each other a lot more regularly while we've been in isolation, even though a lot of us are single person operations and we're used to working by ourselves. Um, we're talking a lot just to support each other and to and to vent our to... frustrations with it all because there's a lot falling on our shoulders uh, because we're talking about people's livelihood. So even though... Um, I've got a lot of friends in the medical profession and, and, you know, they say, well, no one dies if you don't get a tax return in. But I tell you what, there's a lot of mental pressure out there um, for people to keep their businesses going because that's what's feeding right. their families and things like that. <laughs> we've got to think about it that way. Um, so, yes, um, not being flippant with the Dan Murphy comment, Tom, but, um, yeah, we've, I think we're using, I think the profession's coming through and supporting each other very well because we're all in the same boat, um, you know, you, you see things on social media that says enjoy the next two days because we're not going to call it a weekend because we haven't had weekends for weeks because of all these announcements happening on a Friday. Um, and if people are concerned, you know, our client, clients are calling us all times of the weekend or you know, I have a lot of I had a phone call at three thirty on, on a on a on a Saturday afternoon and like that's normally you know footy time, but of course footy's not happening, so um, you know we've we've just got to take some
0: minutes. So, so you. You've got a client. you've actually got a client who instead of sitting in grandstands at the MCG thinks it's a good time to call an accountant.
1: Yep, happened last, last last uh Saturday because it's it's one of my clients that have totally shut down and he said to me, Lisa, I cannot afford to find the job keeper bankroll. I can't bankroll it. I'm really sorry. We I've worked through it and this was all pro bono for him because you know he is he's totally shut his business down um and um he said and so he rang me to say can you please help me go through um, the job seeker basically application. So the way that it works is that there's a, I think a 64 page questionnaire you need to fill out. If you run your business not as a sole trader, you run it through a company or a trust. So I, he says I can't answer some of these questions. I'm just too confused. So we just went through that for an hour or so, and that's something that I mean I just don't feel like I can charge for that. Tom, you know that's a goodwill gesture. He's get he's getting trying to get the job seeker payment, which is 1100. In effect, eleven hundred a fortnight. So, um, as I said, the fifteen hundred gets taxed. So that's around about thirteen hundred. So you know he's losing already, already you know two hundred dollars a fortnight for that.
0: That's extraordinary. Mm. Now, Ed, the other uh, the other question that that comes to mind is uh, where do you? and people are working from home increasingly, and I know you've probably worked from home uh, for a few years now. Um, What are the things that, you know, make that more effective for you? Obviously, um, there's a little bit more freedom. There's no nine to five stuff. How do you manage that working from home thing? What works?
1: Um, Well, I'm fortunate that my working from home um, is I I'm, I live by myself. So I think that helps a lot that I have got the flexibility that I don't need to um, coordinate with anyone else in the household, which does help. Um, I find them a lot more efficient than what I am. Um, I, I'm a lot more efficient because I don't commute. And normally I commute two hours a day, one hour, one way, one hour and other wherever I've worked. Um, but I think the biggest issue I've got um, apart from having a fantastic boss, no, that was a joke. Um, the biggest issue I've got is self-time. It's actually funny. (laughs) It's, um, it's, um, self-time. I find that your commute to work, and as I said, I'm used to commuting an hour each way, um, wherever I've worked, um, that's sort of your time, whether you're jumping in a car and, you know, listening to the radio or, know, you've you've got your airpods in and you're on the train. I found that very much my solitude time. I never tried to do any work or anything like that when I was doing that sort of, you know, that sort of commute. And I think that's what I'm missing. And this is where I think I'm finding it frustrating at the moment is that I started going to to the gym about uh, 18 months ago and I've now found the gym being a replacement of that solitude time of just, you know, taking time to just either forget about anything and clear your mind or just think about yourself. And I think that's probably been the biggest challenge. And, you know, I'm really missing um, not being able to swim and not being able to go to the gym. So uh, I think that's, that's as I said, I think that's my biggest challenge at the moment.
0: Lisa, thanks for joining me today. That's been an interesting insight into some of the issues you've faced Over the past few weeks in terms of JobKeeper, its implementation, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more issues arise. Just for those listening to the podcast, Lisa and I will be uh, presenting some insights on tax and and other matters on a weekly basis. If you want us to tackle a topic, please contact me by direct messages on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at trablic, trablic, all in caps and I'll, be, I'll put those issues on the agenda, and Lisa and I will raise them. Now, Lisa, before we close this off, where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, well, my Twitter handle is at Austaxter, which is A-U-S-T-A-X-T-E-R, and my uh, company that I operate and provide tax advice is Perigee Advisors, and
0: uh, you can find me on my website. Okay, that's lovely. Lisa Gregg. thank you for joining me today. And well, but to the listeners of the podcast, stay safe and look after each other. And no doubt you'll hear from me again fairly shortly.